girls end of book series ceremony now we've had a lot of fun this year at camp we've had a lot of laughs a lot of good times a lot of sad times too but i'm your head counselor jacqueline and this is your other head counselor hi i'm jane the other head counselor uh and before we get started uh how you doing today jane um i'm doing pretty good i've I've been suffering from intense movie brainworms. How about you? The kind of brainworms that give you uh, posting on Reddit disease. We did. We did do some posting on Reddit. Hello, Reddit people, if you are listening to this. Yeah, shoutouts to, to the like fifty people who started listening from Reddit. Yeah, like holy shit. But yeah, we've uh, reached the end of Percy Jackson and the Olympians as a series. We finally did it. We got through all of the media. We've done all the books, we've done all the movies, we've done- well, okay, there are still some short stories, some musicals, but, like, we can get through those in time. Yeah, yeah, that- that- I mean, nobody really cares about Lightning Thief musical, right? Uh, no, I'm sure everyone <laughs> hates it. Yeah, I- 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 I don't think anyone does. Um, but what we do care about is giving out some end-of-the-year awards, so campers gather around- we always say, you know, see you next week, but today is the final week of camp. It's the final week of camp, although I'm not sure if we should retire see you next week, Camp Half-Blood, as an ending thing. Why is that? Well, because we're moving on to the Kane Chronicles next, but after that we're going back to Heroes of Olympus and Trials of Apollo, both of which are set at Camp Half-Blood. We will probably be back at Camp Half-Blood eventually. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll find a different... I feel like we said something just, like, off the wall for, like, the first couple weeks. I have no idea what it was, but, like... No, I think See Next Week Camp Half Blood was, like... I feel like that was first episode. For some reason, I thought we said some shit about, like, Shadow the Hedgehog or something. I have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe it was a different podcast I did once. That's very possible. It's been, like, ten years since we started this. (laughs) It actually... We did both realize yesterday that it's almost, like... Within spitting distance of a year, and that's extremely fucked up. It's terrifying. <laughs> like, I guess I'm very, like, I, I want to, before we get into the main event, I just want to say, like, thank you to everyone who's, like, listened. And, yeah. Uh, because, I don't know, I, I would have, and also did, just, like, make these for, like, four people for a while, at most. Um, and now it seems to be, like, more than four people, which is really exciting and cool. Hell yeah. Um, and I, I super want to thank Jane. You're you're my wonderful co-host. Uh, it's always good to talk to you about these books, about anything at all. Um, you're a wonderful podcast host. And uh, thank you. Yeah, doing this with you was really fun. You know, you could have said something a bit more, <laughs> more detailed. You could have gone, I, you know, like... <laughs> you could, anyway. I didn't know if, if I was supposed to be just like adding something to the end of what you were saying before you launched into something else. So I was going to leave it relatively open-ended so I could continue if you didn't say anything. Listen, I understand. I understand where <laughs> we are. <laughs> Jacqueline, you are one of my very best friends in the world and recording podcasts with you is a highlight of my week. Uh, Jane, I'm going, I'm going to send you $10,000. <laughs> 
It's like that video of Pro ZD getting the Final Fantasy guy to say that Final Fantasy VI is the best one or whatever, oh, and then yeah. handing him like a hundred dollars. But so this is going to be a bit different today. We don't have any chapters to talk about. Well, we we do. We have all the chapters to talk about. I guess that's also ta- a way of seeing it. Um, but instead, this is going to be a bit more of a um, let's call it a award show yeah we're gonna hand out some superlatives talk about our favorite moments hit some themes wrap up our feelings on the series as a whole and hopefully we can put a nice little bow on it before starting the king chronicles well like we're at the head table around the fire pit uh various concepts and characters from the series are around the tables all waiting in anticipation to see if we'll remember to mention them or we'll just completely blank on them that's right our first award tonight will be for Best Camper. I mean, I feel like there should be more competition for this than there is. I I feel like it is unambiguously Clarice. Okay, I, I, I was not actually <laughs> expecting you to say that. Okay, interesting. Not that I disagree exactly. Mm-hmm. I just feel like Clarice started out as such a one-note character. Like, she was very much just, like... A, a like Draco Malfoy kind of bully character yeah and then from there went to like cool rival slash ally who half the time wasn't even the books because she was off basically having her own series which doesn't exist yeah which would just have occasional crossovers with Percy Jackson and the Olympians where she would come in and save their asses uh there is a Clarice LaRue like other way series that's just happening I wish I could read it I wish Absolutely. I was reading it instead but you know what? I respect that choice. Maybe we'll get like you know, like how we got like Midnight Sun for the fucking Twilight books, where it's all from Edward's perspective. Oh god! What if we got like an uncursed version of that, where it's just the entire Percy Jackson books, but from Clarice's perspective? I would love that. Like, I just want to see her stealing that construction equipment and using a wrecking ball to destroy a derelict house. I can't believe Rick dared to fucking write those words down and not show them on the page. It's. <laughs> I see you broke through the veneer. You no longer respect the decision. God. Um, I have a bit of a different uh, nomination, though. All right. I want to give Best Camper to Percy Jackson. Absolutely also a valid choice. Percy is one of my, I guess, favorite, like, children's book protagonists. Mm-hmm. Percy is a great kid. I love him as a protagonist. I love his... I guess more empathetic like nature as a character. Definitely. There's something that is so compelling about this shitty little kid who actually isn't even that shitty of a little kid. He's mm-hmm. just like dealing with troubles are as aren't we all and is getting bullied through life and then he gets to take his life back into his hands. It's yeah, it's really great. It's it's so rewarding to watch him like grow and become more empathetic and like grapple with the ways that he's growing and becoming like more of a caring person yeah yeah like Like, great character and there's something to his arc starting with him getting picked on and kicked out of school and ending with him finally going to the same school for two consecutive years hell yeah like that's simple but sweet definitely you know Percy Jackson is a book series about a camp, but not everyone is a camper in Percy Jackson. Uh-huh. Let's talk 
Best non-camper supporting character. Ooh. I hadn't even considered this, but I guess there is, like, a decent number of those, huh? There are, there are. We've got Sally, Paul, Rachel, Tyson, I guess, technically also counts. Yeah. Hmm. I liked a lot of Rachel's stuff, but I feel like her arc kind of ended in a bit of a whimper. Hmm. I can definitely see that. So I'm not sure if I'd go for that. What what do you think? Do you have any big thoughts on this? I want to give it to Sally. That's very, very valid. Sally is, um, I guess, just exactly what she needs to be. Mm -hmm. She's a cool, strong mom who is also like, I don't know. There's something, one of the most memorable things about Percy Jackson is the blue candy and food and stuff. That's like so iconographic of the series and that's that's all sally it is and i mean we we also can't not mention like the really great moment from the end of the first book where she like like takes her life into her own hands and refuses to let percy just solve her problems for her like that's that's just a really strong character moment absolutely and something that you don't really see a lot with mothers in fiction no like, she no. gets to be active instead of just like a passive giver of emotional support I think that's I think that's powerful. Yeah. Uh, who do you want to give it to? Uh. Hmm. I, hmm. I kind of want to give it to Dionysus. I want to I want to save best god for a different category. Oh uh, okay. yeah. Okay. No, that's fair enough. Uh, in that case, yeah, I think I would probably have to go with Sally as well. Hell yeah! You know, you're a genius. <laughs> I'm glad we can agree. Uh, let's move on then. Hell yeah. Best God. I'm gonna I'm gonna be surprising here and pick Dionysus. <laughs> you like Dionysus, Jane? I like Dionysus. I like how he is kind of quietly developed in the background across the course of the series. Yeah. Like he starts out like cool and shitty, but like almost kind of too shitty initially. Oh, definitely. But then, like, we get his backstory in Titan's Curse, and it really recontextualizes a lot of what we got from him. And, like, from there we move on to having, like, genuinely cool Dionysus moments. We get some real depth from him when um, one of his sons bites it. Like, oh, just a good, cool god character. Probably also a function of him being one of the most present throughout the series. Completely agreed. I have, uh... I'm torn. Okay. I want to give it to, to both Apollo and Poseidon. Those are both really good characters. Apollo, I'm saying it because even though he's not in the books that much, when he does show up, he kind of steals the show. And I mean, I guess that's probably why he ends up getting a whole trilogy named after him later, but is it a trilogy? Uh, I think it might. It's a it's a full five book series. Jesus. But yeah, he's like... He's very funny. He's also kind of shitty and annoying, but in a way that's entertaining. It's just he's a good character. Hell yeah. What's your reasoning for Poseidon? So for Poseidon, I think that Poseidon perfectly does what he needs to do. He's he's like exactly the shitty, distant biological dad that I wanted him to be. <laughs> in like every single way and i think because of that and because it doesn't really soften on that throughout the books i i really take to poseidon poseidon 
So it's less that you like him as a character and more that you think he serves a really useful function in the narrative and does it very well. Yeah, I like him as a character, not as a person. Definitely, yeah. Oh, um, shit. I feel like there is that? one other contender that we forgot. Oh, who's that? I think Ares should absolutely be in the running for best god. Yeah. Just as, like, a really great one-book villain who's, like, the repercussions of everything that happened with him carry throughout the whole series, and it makes his name carry some real weight. The only reason I wouldn't give it to Ares is because I completely agree he's terrifying in that first book. He's a cool threat. He's just the fun. Uh, he's the fun little side character. There's something about I, I wish he had more staying power. I wish that there was a bit more Ares throughout the series. Yeah, I mean I guess that's that's in the, the Clarice series that we want to see. Yeah. Because we would we would get more Ares there. We would get more development of what their relationship is like. Definitely. Uh but yeah, I think we've got best god. It's Dionysus, right? Uh, yeah, it's Dionysus. <laughs> uh, ding, ding, ding. Next up, most improved character. Uh, I, I, I was the one who came up with a superlative, and it it was entirely just because I was thinking of Tyson. Tyson, you've, he really is special in this way. Yeah, he. I, he had su- we've talked about this in the series he had such a rough introduction and so much like quite uncomfortable baggage surrounding him but like even by the next book he was rapidly improving into someone who we were always happy to see when he was around this series would be worse if there wasn't just this big guy running around absolutely yeah it's it's nice to have like it, re- it really plays into like the not quite found family thing that Percy has, because obviously they are related. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I, 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 one of the best things about Sea of Monsters is like Percy getting over his like embarrassment about Tyson and learning to embrace that you know this is just a person who loves him. The the themes about family are stronger because he's there. Absolutely. And it makes it feel more authentic. Like this is just like a real thing that's happening. Hmm. Because, like, you know, this kind of stuff happens with, like, step-siblings and stuff in real life. Yeah. I don't know. Any any other thoughts on who it could be other than Tyson? Something you said actually sparked me. Uh, I think I'm going to give it to Clarice. Yeah, that's... that's Honestly, while I was saying that about Clarice at the top, I was like, fuck, maybe she should go in Most Improved Character. <laughs> the thing about Clarice is that we kind of... The problem and why maybe I wouldn't give it to her is because we loved her from the start. Oh, absolutely. We we were we we were ready for a, a bully character who wasn't just a weirdo racist after coming straight off the back of listening to Shrieking Shack. Yeah, and like she's just kind of a a weird one note jerk in the first story, mm-hmm. but she pretty quickly and like I would say this is one of Sea of Monsters' better points. Yeah, um, the, the the book at least is <laughs> uh, that she really kind of gets a lot of character development in the sea of monsters that adds on to who she is, why should we should care about her? And I, I do definitely. Yeah. Uh, do we want to move on to the next category? I think so. Most likely to be a major character in heroes of Olympus. Ooh. Now I, I, I know it's easy to be like, Oh, it's going to, you know, Percy's going to be there or whatever the fuck. Uh, think, what? think off the wall. I don't know. Some like vague shit I've seen from the subreddit was like people complained that Percy wasn't around enough in some of the later books. I don't remember exactly which ones, but like I need to stop going on there. It's never good. 
it's just spoilers and terrible posts about like do i even want to talk about the one that i found the other day no because <laughs> we agreed to stop talking about it, it, listeners know what we've agreed to stop talking about yeah no fair enough um right characters who are likely to show up and be major in heroes of olympus i feel like that could be the series where hades becomes like because we we were kind of at the end of lightning thief kind of thinking what if hades secret good guy of the series yeah 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 and i'm kind of hoping that like off the back of um last olympian where he's like you know he's taking more of an interest in mortal affairs he's actually somewhat respected by the other olympians now we could actually see him like taking on a bigger role especially because we get stuff in the prophecy about like the doors of death or whatever it was yeah yeah so yeah i I'm, i'm thinking hades that also helps a lot because there's like the doors of death prophecy yeah exactly Wait, did you just say that? I did. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I I think I was, like, in my head the whole time. Like, I will not, like, after Jane finishes talking, I'll remember to say that there's also the Doors of Death prophecy. Ah, uh, I see. And because of that, I just didn't hear you say it. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. Uh, no, yeah, I agree about Hades. Um, And I don't know. This is an interesting one. I want to give it maybe to Rachel. Oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that she was set up in Percy Jackson and the Olympians. I think maybe she'll have her chance to shine in Heroes of Olympus. Well, I mean, her her existence in Percy Jackson seems to have been part of a three-book-long con by Rick to put a sequel hook right at the end of the series. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have to respect the commitment to that. No, definitely. I mean, he could have just had that old mummy spit it out again. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, I think we'll definitely, we'll see a lot more of Rachel in her sick gamer pad, I guess. Oh, hell yeah. I want the fucking, <laughs> the main characters of Heroes of Olympus to just be playing Halo 2 with her. It'll be just like um, Luke's gamer pad from the first movie. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Let's move on to the next category. Uh, most likely to be completely sidelined in Heroes of Olympus. <laughs> uh, it hurts me to say it. But I worry that this might be what happens to Clarice. Yeah. I We weren't... Well, I certainly wasn't satisfied with the ending she got in Last Olympian. But it did feel quite final. Like, oh, she's she's brought up in front of the Olympians. She gets she gets some praise from her dad. That seems like the end of a character arc, sure. So I, I worry that there's the unexplored potential will be left on the table. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to give it to Clarice... But I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't want this I, to happen, to be clear. Yeah, no, no, same. Um, this one's tar- hard because I think it's got to be Grover, right? Oh, yeah, no, I guess so. I don't think Grover... Like, I feel like he's just done as a character. He, yeah, he was kind of done as a character, like, two books ago. But Rick kept trying to make him happen. Yeah, I mean... He's at the very least been mostly sidelined, except for the end where Percy's like, oh, wait, we're still best friends. That's true. That's true. If I have to give it to more, do I need to give it to a more present character, do you think? Mm -hmm. It's your pick. Eh, let's move on. (laughs) Best animal. Mrs. O'Leary. Mrs. O'Leary. This isn't a competition. Mrs. O'Leary is a very good girl. She's very cute. All the stuff about her, like... 
I know, I just, I, I love the contrast between, like, she's huge, but also is just, like, a normal-ass dog that likes pets. Like, the, yeah. bit, the bit from Last Olympian where she's, like, poking her head through a door, and when Paul, like, scratches her nose, she wags her tail, and it sounds like a SWAT team trying to thump down the door. <laughs> like, that's so good and so cute. I love that, I love that shit. It's really good. I, yeah, this is no competition. I just wanted to have a moment for us to talk about how good Mrs. O'Leary is. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, Blackjack. You were fine, I guess, but. Yeah. You were fine. basically just Swiftwin from the new Shira. That's true. <laughs> I guess, you know, maybe, maybe reverse. Oh, yeah, no, it would be the other way around, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe maybe the the Shear creators were like, I really like that Percy Jack. Actually, I I would say that's almost certainly true to an extent. I I feel like they worked for DreamWorks and they were like, what if we had Donkey Bow Horse? Uh, that's I guess that's also true. <laughs> Wait, Donkey is already a horse. Wait, no, he's not. No, he isn't. No, fuck. That... <laughs> I'm Jacqueline. He's called Donkey. He's not called a horse. <laughs> Listen, there's a part in Shrek 2 where he gets turned into a horse. Maybe that was the inspiration for Swiftwind. God, I guess fucking saddest death. Sa- saddest death? Saddest death. Oh, I thought you were saying that Swiftwind dies. I was saying I didn't remember that bit. No, I'm talking about who is the saddest death in Percy Jackson. Uh, oh, fuck. There's some competition for this. The body count really did like start piling up in the later books. That's true. I think... Off the top of my head, the two big ones are probably Zoe and Silena. Hmm. Because, like, you know, it's been a while, but Zoe's was a fucking tearjerker. Yeah, yeah. I I think let's just each... I feel like it's a tie. We can't... I don't know. I can't pick. I feel like they're good for different reasons. Like, Zoe's is quiet and poignant and, like, just really sad. While, like... Silena's is like overflowing with like emotion and melodrama and like tragic rage and they're both tied into such different parts of the narrative definitely yeah I want to give it to Zoe I I cried in my room for a few a, a good bit after reading that yeah she she gets to be a constellation it's really nice it's really nice and then you know I, I, in that case I'll give it to Silena the the Achilles Patroclus parallels are real. I will I will hear no arguments against this. They're very real. Now that we've talked about the saddest death, let's talk about the best fight in Percy Jackson. Best fight. Um, I'm gonna be basic. I still think the fight with Ares from the end of Lightning Thief is like the best one in the series. Yeah. Like I think it just. The, the power levels of each character are both so strongly defined. Like, you you know that, like, Percy is not... He's not looking to kill here. He's just trying to wound Ares because he's that much more powerful. And it just has so much good imagery with, like, Los Angeles burning in the background, like, the sky turning red as the sun sets. Like, all, all while on this, like, gorgeous beach. It's just... It's such a good fight. Yeah, I completely agree. The, the fight with Ares is such a good climax. Like, the movie doesn't have Ares in it, basically. Um, except for when yeah. it does, I think, at one point. He, um, he appears in the council chamber, I think. Yeah. Um, but what what's really good is that, like... Or what's really bad about it is that they completely change the point of, like, where the climax of the movie is. Mm-hmm. It, it's really... It's kind of... 
what the strongest point of Lightning Thief, almost. Yeah, because it like it it ties in thematically with the idea of like Percy hating bullies. Yeah, like it resonates with that better than I think any of the other fights resonate with the themes of the books they're in. That's true. So I think that that's just kind of why it's kind of head and shoulders above the others, even though there are some other good fights in the series. I'm gonna give it to Percy versus Hyperion. That that's good for completely different reasons, but yeah, I see it. Yeah, Percy versus Hyperion is so good because it's like short, sweet, and still somehow feels like an entire fucking episode of Naruto. Exactly. It's just the most over the top, like straight up anime style fight in the entire series. Percy unlocks the power to create hurricanes during it. They like they race at each other across the the lake and like clash and it goes into slow mo as the water ripples. If if Percy versus Aries shows where Percy, the like human being, the like middle schooler, has grown from, uh, Percy versus Hyperion shows where like Percy Jackson, the child soldier, has grown, <laughs> and I like it. Yeah, I guess I guess honorable mention to the Minotaur fight from Last Olympian. Oh, true. Except it's not really a fight, which is what makes it so good. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> Yeah, I I forgot that happened, to be honest. Well, yeah, because he just fucking murks it in, like, three lines. Like, it's good as hell, but... Oh, no, yeah, no, I love it as, like, just showing just how far he's come. But, yeah, it's very quick. Conversely, worst fight. Worst fight in the series... Whew. I think probably Polyphemus from the end of uh, Sea of Monsters. Like, it's not technically a bad fight, but it doesn't have the, like, pure action spectacle of the Hyperion fight, and it has none of the thematic resonance of um, the Ares fight, because Polyphemus isn't even, like... He's, like, technically an antagonist, but he doesn't stand for anything, really. I don't know, do, do you have any other thoughts on this, or are we, are we just taking this opportunity to quickly dump on Sea of Monsters? No, I want to say... I think it's a bit harder, because... I think my answer might actually be from a book that actually might is sometimes maybe my favorite uh-huh. um, depending on the hour. <laughs> I want to give it to the final battle from Titan's Curse. Oh, okay. Interesting. I think that after letting it sit for a bit, I really do think that in a lot of ways it was just kind of like the air was being let out of the balloon in a way that I don't know. Like I the what what works about it is everything surrounding the fight. Mhm. If the fight itself had been really good, it could have like made the book a 10. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I I think there's almost something kind of disappointing. Yeah, cuz like like everything going on with Thalia leading up to it is so good. Yeah. And like Percy taking the weight of the sky off of Artemis to let her into the fight is a really good moment. Yeah. But we don't really get, like, anything particularly cool or memorable from the actual combat. Definitely. And that's, like, obviously there's a lot of, like, just combat in Percy Jackson. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's, I don't know, it's a young adult fighty series. Yeah, it's an action series. But, I don't know. 
I, I like it when the story can be told through the comic. And, like, it was. It just wasn't as good as it could have been. Especially for something that is sandwiched by, like, Zoe's death, for instance. Yeah, you'd, you'd think, like, the clash between a god and a titan would be, I don't know, slightly bigger in proportion than just two people having a dust-up on a mountain. Basically, yeah. So, yeah, I can definitely see that as, as a pick for worst fight. Uh, let's move on. Now I guess we can hit tackle best ship. Um, I think the pick for this is fairly obvious. Yeah? The Queen Anne's Revenge from Sea of Monsters. I was gonna make that fucking joke <laughs> too. I... <laughs> Come on. I'm sorry, Jacqueline. <laughs> Every moment that we exist together, you undercut me. <laughs> I like to think that it's more a case of every moment that we exist together are like neurological structures more closely mimic each other. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck was the Queen Anne's Revenge? What was that one? Blackbeard ship. Oh yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. You're not gonna give it to the uh, the CSS Birmingham? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I I mean. I could actually see that as a pick. I'm possibly just poisoned on it because of the Sea of Monsters movie. Because in the book, it is like, this is a miserable shit heap crewed by losers. Definitely. So not not as awful as it seems at face value. I want to give it to... uh, I want to actually give it to the Princess Andromeda. Yeah, I... Hmm. Hmm. I think you're being movie poisoned. The Princess Andromeda was so cool in the books. No, but that's... I, I feel like I'm the opposite of movie poisoned. Like, I feel like maybe the Princess Andromeda was never fully used to, like, the potential of the idea of, like, this, this fucking giant party boat full of monsters. I can kind of see it. I think, like, when Percy was just, like, running through the floors, at, like, the beginning of The Last Olympian, that's really strong. Like, when he has the, like, miniature skirmish with the giant crab in the middle yeah. of the shopping mall. I feel like that's that's the the strongest stuff we get from the Princess Andromeda, which is kind of disappointing because it was around for four books, but we only really see it in Sea of Monsters and then when it gets blown up. Yeah, yeah, no, I see what you mean. I, I just like it as a setting idea. Definitely, yeah. No, it's... To, to be clear, I'm not mad because it's bad. I'm mad because it's cool and it wasn't used more. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how... Like, that's the same reason, like, I don't... I don't dislike the fight from the end of the Titan's curse because it's bad. I just think it could have been a lot better. It fails to pay off some of the other cool stuff that was around it. Yeah, I get you. I do think that like the second book's like description of it containing all these fucking like zombie like cruise goers. That's pretty good. That was pretty good. And it was a really good moment when we go back to it later and we see that they're fucking gone. Like that's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. Also, Percy Calypso forever, come on. Oh, obviously, yeah. Although, hmm, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like one of the parts that makes Chapter 12 of um, Battle of the Labyrinth so memorable is the fact that that ship fails because of Percy's fatal flaw. No, definitely, like, It's definitely. a really good tragic romance in that way. I like a tragic romance. Hell yeah. Uh, also, Silena Cl- Clarice forever. Obviously, yeah. So let's let's get a bit more granular. Uh huh. Now I could go straight to what's your favorite book. I think that'd be a bit boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to talk best and worst moments from the Lightning Thief. Hell yeah! I'll go with a different pick from um, because I think the fight from the end is my favorite moment from that book. But it'd be boring to just go for it again. Sure. 
Uh, I think entering the fields of Asphodel. Yeah. With just that, like, horrible description of, like, these thousands of people just standing around. And, like, off in the distance, you can see the fields of punishment where all these people are being tortured. Like, it's it's so evocative and so creepy. I love it. God, I forgot that was all in the first book. Yeah. The, that good book. Really good book. I want to give it to Percy, Grover, and Annabeth in the back of the zoo animal truck. That Yeah, that's a really great like character building scene. It's kind of our first and maybe best example of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really just like the first moment that the characters really click in that way. Yeah, Percy and Annabeth have that really great discussion about like Athena and Poseidon inventing the chariot together. Yeah. And that being like the first glimmer of them actually becoming friends. It's really great. And even Grover is really good here. Like he's talking to the animals. There's all these little like, I don't know, this is like a really good part where of, of his like, you know, tree hugger nature. <laughs> uh, what about the worst moment? Uh, oof. Hmm. I guess the anti-am stuff. Yeah. Medusa fight, obviously, you have to check that box for your book. Oh, for sure. But I feel like, I don't know, the framing around Medusa was very weird. And, like, yeah. quite uncomfortable. Mild, just like, a, you know, one of those, not too many, but scattered instances of mild racism throughout the books. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would definitely give it to that as well. Yeah, I, I'm coming up empty on anything else that really, like, stands out as a weak moment. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I... Hmm. You know what we should do? We should, uh, one of us should take best, one of us should take worst, and we can flip it every time. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Tell me the best moment from the Sea of Monsters. I mean, it has to be that ending, right? Like Thalia being um, brought out of the tree, where we have that. It's a great shakeup of the status quo. It, like, it's a, a twist that makes sense within the rules that have been established by the narrative. And I think it is the moment that cements the idea of Kronos as this, like, unbeatable master manipulator. Because that that's the moment where you look back at everything that he's done in the book and realize, oh, he really set up a scenario where no matter what happened, he couldn't lose. Like, yeah. this, this was as bad as it could have gone for him, and it still put another chess piece on the board for him to use. Absolutely. So yeah, I think it's definitely that. I want to give worse moments to uh, the the slur. Yeah, there is a slur in this book. <laughs> I don't like it. There's, it's not doesn't need to be there. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I feel like anytime you're reading a kids' book, I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions, and you get to a slur, you can usually say this is the worst part of the book. Yeah, that that didn't need to be there. Like I I I get. I get that, like, you know, a big part of this series is about, like, discussing disability and talking about ableism. Yeah. But I feel like, because it's not just the fact that the slur was used, it was, like, everything around it as well. Like, the way that Percy reacted. Right, right. The problem, the problem is that this book series isn't just that. It's also, it's also very specifically an exploration of, like, how kids in school are tr with disabilities are treated. yeah. And, like, in that sense, this is, like, an accurate portrayal. Oh, definitely. There's, It's just not written well is the problem. I just, 
I really th- think it could have been it could have come off a lot better if it had been Percy saying fuck you for using that particular word also fuck you for using it to describe my friend and not just being defensively no he's not right and like the culture was different yada 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 yeah but like there's just it's it's for me it's just that i think it's a very clump like i'll just extend it to tyson's intro it's very clumsily written in a way that alternatively it could have been very good and that's all i have to say yeah that makes sense so let's talk titan's curse all right best moment from titan's curse easy easy as pie Uh uh-huh because i can think of at least two off the top of my head I'm curious to see what you go for. Best moment from Titan's Curse easily is the ending where Nico rejects Percy. Absolutely. This starts up Nico's character arc for the series. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, you know, I guess pivots it. And there's just something so affecting about like seeing this little kid who's in a horrible like shock, horrible trauma and he um you it's the double reveal of like oh fuck he's the son of hades absolutely oh fuck i didn't save his sister this entire thing propelling percy's character of his like hero complex yeah it it builds into that really like impressively subtle bit where rick doesn't just say that he's putting the world on his shoulders yeah exactly (laughs) uh what about you what's the worst moment from the titan's curse I don't know, because I, I ragged on the opening a bit when we first, like, read it. But I feel like that was just me being, like, brain poisoned from not liking Sea of Monsters. Right, right. I think maybe Bianca's death. Bianca's... Okay, yeah, I, I not, see what you mean. Yeah, not not because it was particularly bad, but because Bianca really hadn't had enough attention or characterization up to that point to make it a really effective moment. Yeah, and that's for the something, problem. Yeah, for something that like casts such a long shadow over the series, it, it I feel like it really needed a bit more care and attention to pay off properly. Agreed. All right, Battle of the Labyrinth. Yeah, let's go Battle of the Labyrinth. Uh, Jane, what's the best moment? Uh, oh, who knows? There are there are so many chapters whose numbers I remember, and I remember the events of the chapters. So you know there are definitely more than just chapter 12 that i remember specifically because they were so good (laughs) (laughs) uh it's 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 obviously chapter 12 with percy and calypso like that's such a great like bottle bottle episode almost where it's just like this 20 page tragic love story which really builds on percy's character it's a really great moment for like showing the cruelty of the gods and like building that complexity up for the titans like what the fuck do you want me to say about it we talked about it for ages in the episode it's really good yeah it's it rules and this is really just the pinnacle of percy jackson in a lot of ways definitely yeah worst moment ah i have a suggestion go ahead uh the moment where janice corners um annabeth in the labyrinth why do you say that because that, that really was, like, teed up as a huge development. Uh-huh. And then it was paid off off-screen. Well, was it? Yeah, no, her big decision was, like, whether she would go with Luke when he showed up at her house. Wait, but, was it? Yeah. 
I didn't even catch that. Yeah, that's what that was. Was that, like, stated explicitly? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, okay, yeah, that's the worst moment. I don't... <laughs> Okay, okay, I like I don't hate that plot line at all, and I think it's like good Annabeth stuff, but like I don't know. That's this is why we needed multiple perspectives in the final book. Yeah, I think so. Per- Percy's Percy's dream sequences were getting incredibly out of hand by the end. Yeah, we could have <laughs> just seen Nico spying on them. We didn't have to hear have have Percy have a dream of Nico spying on them. Percy astrally projecting there, while Nico also astrally projecting there? Question mark. I think so. it doesn't matter. Jane. <laughs> uh, all right, last Olympian, the fi- final book in the series, perhaps the best one according to many people. According to many, lots of people feel this way. Jacqueline, what was what was the best moment from Last Olympian? The best moment from the Last Olympian is Percy's wish to the gods. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. This is okay. This is the moment that we needed in the series to like completely like cap the themes off. This is what we need. Okay, something we ha- that we haven't gone on into so explicitly, but that we have, I think we've talked around the edges of mm-hmm. is that like this is so explicitly like a book about like schooling. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot to say about like the politics of like how it views like quote-unquote western civilization etc etc but i like the thing is is that ultimately this really comes down to a book about how like you need to give kids spaces where they can learn and grow yeah at the end of at the end of the day this is like rick riordan school teachers view on like how to better treat like especially disabled kids in schools yeah and camp half-blood is just a metaphor for that basically Mm -hmm. It's a place they can escape to because they can't have it the rest of their lives. Yeah. And it's a place where they can find community and where they can grow, where they can learn, where they can become better versions of themselves. And also it's a place that is imperfect. And uh, it's a place that's been made imperfect by the systems that created it and that allowed it to exist. Because in a lot of ways... The thing with Camp Half-Blood is that it exists as, and we've talked about this in the final book, it exists as a dumping ground for the children of the gods. Absolutely. Like, their ultimate purpose is to, one, not get in their parents' business, Mm -hmm. two, go on quests to keep their battery charged, (laughs) and three, to just, they're, they're there to die, basically. That's ultimately the thing of it. Yeah, like, th- there is this support system there, but it does the absolute bare minimum in a way that is nakedly designed to serve the interests of, like, the system that designed it, as opposed to the people who actually need to use it. Right, because that's the thing. And despite how imperfect it is, it's still there. Like, it's still a place for these, like, kids who have been marginalized in a lot of ways mm-hmm. to find that family. Yeah. And that's, like so like true to life in a lot of ways and i think that's what makes camp half-blood so powerful as like a metaphor yeah and to like to bring it back to like the the moment where percy is making this wish it is it is good to finally have like from a character perspective he has never liked the gods at all 
Yeah. Like, he's always thought that they were a bunch of jackasses, basically. And it's really great to have that, like, fully pay off in this last scene. As well as, like, getting to the core of that, he's not a conventional hero. He's not going to do the Hercules thing from that movie and just become a god at the end. Yeah. No, that's the thing, right? Is that as much as we say, like, well, it's an imperfect place, but it's still a place where they can find each other. That's not true for everyone. Mm-hmm. That was so explicitly not true for all the undetermined kids, kids like Nico, even kids like Luke, ultimately. Yeah, L- Nico, Luke, Ethan, like, so many kids were failed by the system as it was. And the fact that the ending is saying, this place has been good for us, but it's not good for everyone, and that Percy is actively working to change it so it's at least better for people, I just think there's, I, I just think that's excellent. I just think that's a, a really needed narrative. Yeah, and again, the fact that, like, he trades godhood to do it like speaks volumes about that like really empathetic core to his character that has been so well established throughout the series right right jane what would you call the worst moment of the last olympian i still don't like luke's final the 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 final the whole final confrontation in the council chamber actually i think is possibly a bigger anticlimax than titan's curse yeah like it kind it it gets some shit done and it sends us into that really good finale but everything i know so much of it feels off like thalia gets stuck under a statue just outside but when she should really have like some shit to hash out with luke we get, like, the payoff for Ethan Nakamura's character arc, but he hasn't really had much of a character arc. He's just there as a stand-in for all the minor gods. Luke, I think... I get that he would be, like, deluding himself into thinking that he would go to the Isle of the Blessed or whatever. Uh-huh. And that, like, you know, Annabeth had a lot of affection for him. But I would have liked at least a bit of acknowledgement from Percy, who, like, you know did not like Luke and had every reason not to. Right. I would have just liked a little bit of acknowledgement that, like, no, you're fucking not. You are going to the fields of punishment, you complete shitbag. Yeah, and, like, I will... I completely agree that this is a very, very, very flawed final confrontation. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, it just kind of shows... Like, this is the moment where sacrificing character and, I guess, like, elegance of story for like theme mm-hmm. fails like it, it, it fails in a lot of ways yeah it, it does it does have the vibe of like at some point in the writing process rick had to make a call and he decided that sacrificing these chapters to have a good ending for the series as a whole was worth it which i i respect that yeah i i, I kind of like I, I i would agree you know what i mean like if also backbiter does come back so i can't complain about everything Definitely. Oh, and also Kronos dies in a stupid way. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's better than the fucking movie. It is better than the movie. I just will eternally remain mad that the evil mastermind, the crooked one, died to being stupid. Yeah, that's, yeah that's I a get fine, you. That's a fine way to send out a villain like Polyphemus. Not really Kronos. Eh, yeah, yeah. No, I... Yeah. Anyway, I'll stop ragging on it now. 
No, totally understandable. <laughs> um, I don't want to talk about the movies. I, I, I want to talk about like a thought I had about the Sea of Monsters movie. Go ahead. Which is that this is the brain worms that I was talking about at the start. Although we started this episode so many times, I don't remember if that bit's even staying in. I'm, I'm sure it is. Uh huh. It's just. So I sent you a movie summary the other day. Uh huh. And it was. No matter how hard he tries to impress his father, his father remains distant. His friendships and work relationships often let him down if he's not outright robbed of them. His job betrays him, and the status he gets from being important ultimately makes him a target and becomes a liability. In the end, the protagonist is stripped of literally everything. Now, that was that was a summary I heard of um, Evangelion. Okay. Oh, okay, because you sent me that, and then I said, and then you said, guess what this is? Uh-huh. And I said, well, I'm not sure. I'll guess a few movies, because you made it sound like it was a movie. And uh, then... I, you know, then I was like, well, what was it actually? And you didn't say. Exactly. I was, I was saving it for now because I, I think that this summary of Evangelion maps 100% one-to-one onto Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters. Oh God. <laughs> like it's not perfect, but I, I, I see it. No, I think, I think even down to like being stripped of everything in the end, like Percy is completely robbed of any kind of growth or improvement or catharsis in that movie. Yeah. Like, Annabeth has his emotional breakthrough for him. Also, it's the wrong emotional breakthrough, and he doesn't learn to rely on himself, and instead, like, completely becomes, like, the child of prophecy. And, I don't know, I feel like it's obviously not intentional, but I I find it really interesting that there is, like, an incredibly fucked up and tragic character arc buried in here. That like could could have been unearthed if the movie was better. Yeah, the, this this deeply flawed summary of Evangelion is like <laughs> on the money in a lot of ways. I, I keep thinking about the like relationship displayed between him and Poseidon in this movie mm-hmm. because it isn't a relationship; it's like a longing for a relationship. That's that's one of the positives I had about the movie that I didn't talk about in the episode actually. Yeah. Was there's a couple of scenes where Percy is like basically giving an exposition dump to the audience next to a lake. Yeah. And like obviously it's an exposition dump, but I do think those moments really effectively summarize like how alone he is and how like he longs for that closer relationship with his father and he's just not getting it. The problem is that it then undercuts itself Absolutely. by like ha- having the waves ripple after he leaves. Like, yeah. oh, Poseidon was actually listening all along. Like, it's some weird, like I don't know, Christian culture poisoned ideas. I think so. Like, yeah. I don't. It's 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 some shit. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just I have not been able to stop thinking about like, what what if you redid Sea of Monsters and actually made it about Percy being a broken person, that would, you know, it wouldn't be better necessarily, but it'd be interesting. Oh, for sure, for sure. Let's get down to it. I think we're ending, we're nearing the end of our ceremony. We're nearing the end of the ceremony. We need to, we need to wrap shit up and then we'll, we'll take the question we got. Yeah, Hestia is, uh, burning those fires away but the the embers are the embers are dwindling Mm -hmm. uh everyone's already thrown their food in she's like reaching in taking out the charred food and eating it because 
I think that's what she does. It's really kind of weird. Like, I, I assumed it was some kind of, like, she absorbs the energy of their devotion thing, but she's actually just eating the ashes. Yeah, that looks really gross. Like, I don't think she's, like, saving any for the other Olympians either. <laughs> it's it's kind of fucked up. Like, it, it seems like she's really just hoarding it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm... Man, what is the split with that stuff? Because Hestia gets, like, a portion of all of it. And Prometheus yeah, yeah. gets a chunk of it as well. Apparently. Which I guess means that he's also here, like, just reaching in, like, getting all the charred, greasy, burnt food all over his nice suit. Poor guy. Prometheus, after leaving, like, scrambling away and, like, sniveling to the gods, decided to live under the pavilion in Camp Half-Blood. So he he's just, like a little... He just lives under one of the tables and occasionally, like, comes out to get scraps of food. It's really sad. Yeah, I, I'm watching him scurry to the fire right now. He's looking at me. <laughs> looking us oh, dead God. in the eye while he does it. No shame he left. He doesn't... He truly has no... And you know what? I, I can respect that, I guess. <laughs> Let's talk about these books. Hell yeah. We did this for a while, but I want us to fully go in and talk which of these books is the best, which one's the worst, etc. Which one goes in the middle, and then the audience can draw their own conclusions about which ones came fourth and second? Okay. <laughs> sure. I'm kidding, that's really stupid. That's a fucked up way of doing it. Okay. Should we, should we go from worst and just kind of work our way up? Sure, yeah. Worst book, Sea of Monsters. Obviously Sea of Monsters, easily the weakest in the series. It's not a, it's not a good book. It's just, I... I, re- I really get the feeling that, like, he Rick wrote Lightning Thief as, like, a passion project, got it submitted, it became, like, really successful, and then the publisher turned around and said, all right, cool, make another one, you have a year. It it feels like that, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, he, he, he sure got good at it eventually, but, like... Oh, yeah, he, he found his feet, but, like, Sea of Monsters is definitely, like, watching those growing pains in real time. Definitely. And there's a lot to be said, you know, maybe this part is good. Yeah, there's some good shit in there. Yeah, ultimately, I just can't rank it higher than any other. Definitely not. The rest of the series has just much stronger moments and not as many, like, terrible missteps. Right. Second worst, or just fourth place, I guess, depending on how generous you want to be. This one's hard. This one is. The The rest of the series is, like much more like even in terms of quality yeah. that's the problem right that that is one of the like really strong points of this series as a whole i guess is the consistency definitely like, see like, monsters would... aside you know what you're getting with each book one might almost argue that this is a foolish way to end the in, end our retrospective <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing it anyway listen tier lists they're in right now that's true i like but the problem is i would give sea of monsters like c tier Mm-hmm. I would give the rest of these, like, A tier. Maybe even S tier for one or two of them. Uh-huh. Yeah, same. Uh, fourth place. What's your reckoning for fourth place? I think, and bearing in mind that, you know, there is, like, there's a five on the list, and then there is, like, a large gap, and then a four. Mm-hmm. I think Titan's Curse. Fucking. <laughs> yeah, no, I see it. I feel like it's, it is a really good book. It's a fun road trip. Um, 
obviously sets up Nico as like a huge character going forward. Yeah. But like, I don't know, not a lot of it sticks out in my memory, I guess, is like my main criticism of it. Yeah, the like, problem with Titan's Curse is that it just doesn't stick. Like, uh, none of the beats that I thought it would hit when we were starting that I was really excited for it to hit, like easing off of Percy for a little bit and like getting to spend some time with everyone else, like that didn't happen. Yeah, we were kind of, we were anticipating that it would be like cutting between maybe like a, P- a POV with a group and then like Percy alone like being able to get really into his head about some stuff but that lasted like two chapters yeah definitely and like it it was barely anything at all yeah so i think it's funny that we keep coming back to the complaint of like damn i wish there were more perspectives in this yeah i mean i think i don't know because that in terms of like narrative expediency it would help but at the same time another really strong part of these books is like percy's voice like, the, these are basically written like his diaries. Oh, absolutely. And, like, the, the specific lens through which he views the world, I think, informs some of the best moments of the series. And I don't know if maybe, like, bringing in alternate perspectives would have weakened that a bit. I, I basically agree. I think there are moments where it struggled because of that is the problem. Yeah, definitely. And I think that ultimately it was a good choice. We've talked about plenty of times where it was like, this yeah. only works because we're seeing through Percy's eyes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, still. Still, could could have eased up on the fucking 18 different point of view dreams every night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny at first. Yeah. Um, see, uh, Titan's Curse, obviously a very strong book. Uh, let's Let's talk number three, though. Number three. You, you I, I said my thing first. You you go number three. I'm gonna give number three Fuck, that's hard. <laughs> uh I wanna give it to the last Olympian. Ooh, interesting. I'm not sure. This is like a this is such a toss up. What what's your number three actually? Mine was Battle of the Labyrinth. See, okay. I this I is can see it's both. Real, it's really difficult because for me battle of the labyrinth is in a lot of ways like an improved titan's curse Mm -hmm. because it gets away from like the straightforward like road trip structure yeah in a way that the last three books didn't sea of monsters was just a water road trip yeah and i think it finds a lot of success in that and I think that it's like moment by moment beats are a lot more memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I think that you know you might be right though. I think it might actually be the third place just because like the Calypso scene is so so strong. And that if we is were just really rank- good. If we were just ranking like moments, <laughs> but we did that already. Yeah, I do. Th- we did. I do <laughs> think that like maybe maybe it does fall into third just because I don't know. Like, I don't know what the fuck a telekine is. Yeah. The, the, the opening is kind of nothing. It, 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 I, I don't know. I don't know. Opening is nothing. It has like easily the most obnoxious, um, Rachel and Annabeth stuff. Yeah. I'll agree to it being third place. Yeah. I, I've, I feel like we've ragged on it a lot to justify it being in third place, but like, it's also really good. It has uh, fucking 
that great twist with um what was he called daedalus but he had like uh quintus that was it quintus yeah god yeah where we were like the the there are three options for how this could turn out two of them are really shit i hope it does the not shit one and then it did the not shit one and it was really good yeah that's the thing is that like quintus was like a really compelling mystery yeah and in a way that I don't think necessarily the rest of the series has gone for in that way. Mm-hmm. We've talked about mystery elements being there. I think we talked about that a lot in the first book, too. Yeah. Um, but this is, like, maybe the best example of it throughout the series. And I, I, I think that's why, that's, like, part of why The Last Olympian plays so well for me. Or I, I, I bow the labyrinth. I was sorry. confused for a second, though. <laughs> Last Olympian also plays well for... Okay, Jane, let's let's cut to the chase. What's your second place? Second place, Last Olympian. Okay, I we have to litigate this because... Okay. Do you think The Lightning Thief is the best book? Yes. Do you, like, how, how strong is your conviction on this? Pretty strong. I... I might agree. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, 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 I, I think it really is a toss-up between... between um, between it and the last Olympian, I think. I think Lightning Thief. I, I still stand by that there was something about the prose in that book, that even even at their best, the subsequent books never quite managed to recapture. There are moments, but it's not as, it's not as everywhere. Hmm. And like, obviously, we've talked about it already, but like the resolution in Lightning Thief is pretty much like a perfect capstone for the story. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, obviously Last Olympian had a much taller order with wrapping up the entire series, so it's understandable, but I do think there is some stuff that fucks up that if it had gotten it right, I think would have gotten it in ahead of Lightning Thief. That's that's a thing. I think I, I honestly might give it third place. Ooh, okay. I think that there's an extent to, like, okay... Maybe it's just recency bias, but I go into the last Olympian. I think about it and like, fuck yeah, that Hestia scene. Fuck yeah, all those cool fights. I don't know. Like, there's so many like awesome like the the whole like thematic wrap up of the narrative. It's all there. Uh. It's all good. But there are pretty consistently just those dud moments. Yeah, there was like there's like that whole chapter where nothing happens with the like the payoff for the sand dollar thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I think that falls into almost like the same as the Janus and Annabeth category of being kind of a nothing payoff. But at the same time, it's also like a very lightning thief scene. Hmm. How, how do you mean? I don't know. It just has the same like mood. Like Percy talking to those two gods makes me feel like it's the lightning thief again. Uh huh. Um. I don't know. I this is like too hard. I don't know. Maybe I would. <laughs> I'll, I I will accept Lightning Thief as number one. I, again, I, I've, Last Olympian has such high highs and builds on so much of the rest of the series that like I can see it being number one. I just personally think that Lightning Thief is like a really well crafted story in and of itself, and like the quality, that, like the overall quality, is just like a cut above the rest of the series. Definitely, this is too hard a segment. Let's <laughs> let's abandon this from now on. But. But let's firmly say, and this is canonical forevermore, let's just like start listing the the order. The the best book in Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. 
runner-up, almost had it, buddy, last Olympian. Third place, doomed to bronze, <laughs> the Battle of the Labyrinth. Titan's Curse, you you, you did your best. You, you were an improvement. You, you, were, you were a sign of things to come, but fourth place. And in last place, uh, this is the, the, more like the toilet water of monsters, <laughs> am I right, folks? God, how is it possible that, like, like that's, that's easily the worst book in the series, and we were still shocked and affronted at how terrible the movie adaptation was, even compared to just that? That's the thing, is that it's, like, still a decent book. Yeah, I would say Sea of Monsters is, like, a solid four, five out of ten. I'm, I might even give it a six. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I would go back and read it with more generous eyes than I was at the time. Yeah, I guess there is some stuff that, like, in retrospect, ha- will have improved that book somewhat. Because, like, yeah. especially the Dionysus and Tantalus stuff, it came across as weird that Dionysus was being so negligent. But again, with, like, the later context we know about him, oh, it makes sense why he's being kind of an asshole beyond just being a comedy relief asshole. Right, right, right. But, you know, that's that's the eternal decision. If anyone wants to challenge our ordering, uh, give us a five-star review and leave your in your, in your review your <laughs> rankings. Or tell us why we suck in your five-star review. Just just leave us a five-star review, please. Yeah, but please also, you know, uh, <laughs> leave, leave us that five-star review. Engage, engage, engage. <laughs> if you want to uh, challenge us on this, subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> If, if you do it, if you maybe we should add like a hundred dollar tier or something, and it's like if you subscribe to this, you're allowed to dictate what the order of the books is. <laughs> you can change the you can change the official order of the best books, and we have to justify it on the podcast for you. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I, I feel like the the conclusion to draw from all this is overall good fucking series. You don't agonize that much about the rankings unless it's a good series or a really that's, shit one, but it wasn't really shit. That's exactly right. <laughs> this is this is no Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Sorry to say it. I no, I good. It's good that it's no Harry Potter. By which I mean I'm sorry to say the words. That, that's very fair. Jane, we asked for uh, questions. We did. So we've got two questions to deal with today. Uh huh. Uh, coming in from two of our favorite, our favorite listeners. Yeah. Including guest of the show, Kiara. Um, fuck, what'd you say? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Kiara has asked, and I'm going to repeat this just in case it didn't get picked up on the waveform. Uh, 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 is there anything now that you're reading back at as an adult that you, uh, stood out to you in a different way than it did as a kid that you didn't necessarily remember at all? Uh, I I have an answer for this. Go ahead. The entire series. Yeah? So, when we started this, I was certain that I had only read maybe, like, two of these. Yeah. But I, like, I think I even foreshadowed this and then forgot to mention it again uh, in an early episode. Like, I remembered the wish scene from the end of Last Olympian. Oh, so definitely. I, I must have read the whole thing. Yeah, no, I, I there was, like, hints throughout... I literally forgot everything except Lightning Thief, the end of Sea of Monsters, and the end of Last Olympian. <laughs> I think that's so funny. 
Like this, this really nicely wraps up an arc, uh, which was Jane, you being like, I've read like one or two of these books, <laughs> which we now know to not be true. I've, I've regained my full power. Uh, I think uh, something that I, that definitely stands out to me like going back through these um, is I guess just this, how different reading these as a kid is because I think like what really stood out to me when I was a kid was like a lot of the like action scenes, a lot of the romance scenes, Mm -hmm. a lot of like, I don't know, like some of the, like the really like iconic, like settings. And I think I didn't appreciate the structure as much as I do now. Like, I think the idea of like the American road trip as portrayed through Greek God, like war, I think that's just like a very smartly made structure. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's always something that you're better equipped to appreciate as an adult is like, you can recognize the cool moments when you're a kid, but when you're older, you get better at recognizing like, okay, this is the, this is the like workhorse stuff that the author was doing in the background to make these moments work. Absolutely. And I, yeah, shouts to Rick Riordan. Don't know if we've said that before, but you know, <laughs> we've had, did, did we talk about, did you ask if we could try and get him on the podcast on the show or was that a DM you sent me? It might've been a DM. Yeah. We definitely shouldn't do that. We've shot on his work way too much. I mean, we haven't really, we've said that it's so good. It's impossible to rank them. Except for the one that we shot on, and I feel I feel like they don't they don't go on ones that aren't like just explicitly fan casts. Ah, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe we should try it one day. All right. He could be he could be down to clown. Who knows? For as long as we promise to plug uh, Daughter of the Deep, <laughs> which sure sounds like it would be a, a sequel to Percy Jackson, but no, apparently not. Nope. Um, it sounds more, you know, I, I didn't want to say this. It sounds kind of Harry Pottery. Fuck. I, I thought it was sci-fi. Uh, okay. I don't know if it's sci-fi. Maybe it is. From what I understand, it's like, like a, like kids go to like a marine biology school where they're like sorted into different houses. Oh God. Okay, we have to take a quick break from what we're doing right now. Do we want to do the official Daughter of the Deep house sorter quiz? Oh, fuck. Yeah, sure. Okay, let me send this to you. You know, I think this is actually a really savvy move by Rick. Like, now is the time to steal the Harry Potter stuff wholesale. Like, God, and not you're even right. pretend that you're not doing it. Because nobody's going to be mad at you. Everybody hates J.K. Rowling now, so he can get away with it. It's genius. I just realized that Rick Riordan has pronouns in bio. Hell yeah. It's been a while since we've done a quiz on it. This is like a throwback. We did one like the first episode, I think, and then we stopped. Yeah. We tried to do like extra segments and then realized that like neither of us have the, the competency or time to put that together. Yeah, but we're smarter now. Hell yeah. Uh, readriordan.com. Uh, daughter of yeah, the Deep I, Quiz. Could I just get that like whole URL read out? Just... Uh, readriordan.com slash 2021 slash 10 slash 12 slash daughter of the deep quiz. Uh, which house are you all divided up by uh, dashes? I also sent it to you in DMs. No, I know. I know. Was it just especially funny to you? 
Well, it's 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 an audio medium. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't have. I guess just just Google it. Just, just check, Google it. Who cares? <laughs> Who, right. who's i don't know what type of listener you think we have that they're gonna like listen to me say the <laughs> url and type it in that way well okay. if that was what they went for they'd be fucked because you forgot to say that they need to enter hypertext transfer protocol secure colon slash slash <laughs> daughter of the deep quiz which house are you <laughs> uh and so what's uh, qu- quiz number one answer question number i don't okay i don't know anything about this the houses of harding pencroft academy i don't know what they are but let's see so what's what's your best school subjects i mean i'm doing a fucking english degree so probably that mine is also english <laughs> i mean you run a book analysis podcast that's true uh what's your favorite type of music i don't like music well pick one <laughs> Fuck, I don't know, pop? Sure, uh, I like, I don't know. It, it changes by the day, I'll say it's rap. Whatever Hades Town is. That's not, I That's. I guess that's kind of a rock, it's like a folk opera, almost rock, kind of poppy. Uh-huh. What's for dinner tonight? Uh, I ate pa- basically nothing but pasta last week because I bought too many ingredients, so I guess that. Uh, I depending on the day, there's like a ten percent chance it's chicken nuggets, so I'll pick chicken nuggets. Understandable. Favorite land animal. What kind of fucking question is this? Dogs, it's... obviously. Oh, it's really hard though. Oh. Ah, uh, lizards, bears, cats, or dogs. I I guess I'll pick dogs. Listen, they're all good. I bears are just big friendly, bigger friendly dog. Well, less friendly dogs, but you know what I mean. <laughs> That's right. Uh, best way to start the day. A nice hearty breakfast, reviewing last night's homework, guided meditation, or a two-mile jog around campus. All of these sound awful. You don't like a nice hearty breakfast? That's, no, you're right. The breakfast is good. Yeah. The rest of these That's... sound terrible, though. Yeah. Unless guided meditation is like me putting on ASMR and going back to sleep. That could be fun. Uh, <laughs> ideal living area. Rural and isolated, quiet suburbs, small coastal town, or middle of a big city. Ooh, I like, I think I kind of like, hmm, this is really hard, actually. What, what's your answer? Uh, I just, I'm living in the middle of a big city right now, and it's all right. Okay. I don't know. The problem with so many of these, like, I, I don't know. I would like a rural and isolated place. I, I want to be able to, like, walk somewhere. Maybe a small coastal town would be nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how do you like to unwind after a long day on the water? Video games, casual sports with friends, curl up with a good book, or mindless TV shows? I mean, a lot of these are good answers. Yeah. I feel like in the spirit of the podcast, we have to pick book. Okay. I'm going to pick mindless TV shows. Understandable. You're planning your next adventure. What is it? Is this good Good content? Is this what yeah, people like sign a, up for? This is better <laughs> than the last time we did a quiz. That's very true. You're planning your next adventure. What is it? Setting sail in treacherous waters, movie marathon with friends, camping in the middle of the woods, hiking a giant mountain. I I mean probably the movies. You like you like movies? Yeah. This may also just be a function of the fact that like most of the stuff I do with my friends is over the internet. So movie marathon is the only one that's really practical. That's fair. Okay. No oh, fuck. Uh, I- I clicked on camping by mistake. I don't know. I don't mind camping, so, yeah. 
Sure. Uh, favorite genre of film? Comedy, drama, action, horror. Uh, no, action. Fuck it. I like the scary stuff. Give me horror. Understandable. This is such a long quiz. It's I. This is very granular. I'm expecting like my my Myers Briggs personality type on this as well. <laughs> I have to assume this will give me like my MBTI, my Homestuck class specs, <laughs> my like. I, this has got everything in it. I'm sure. Uh, best season of the year. Uh, I'm gonna go summer. I I would really respect the big dick energy if Rick just like took the Hogwarts house names verbatim. That'd be so fucking funny. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it to Fall. Yeah, that's a good one. How would your friends describe you? Competitive, smarty pants, curious, or loyal? Okay, wait, we have to describe each other for this. Yeah, uh, hmm. What nice thing do I want to say about Jacqueline? I feel like you're very loyal. Aw, thank you. Uh, I'm going to give you... I think you're a smarty pants. Aw, thank you. Favorite Rick series? <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Percy Jackson, Heroes of Olympus, Kane Chronicles, or Magnus Chase? Well, we should have done this quiz after we'd finished the podcast, I guess. I guess so. This should have been the way we ended it all. Uh, Percy Jackson in that case. I mean, what the oh. fuck else am I going to pick? In the spirit of optimism, I'm going to pick Kane Chronicles. Understandable. I got House Orca. Congratulations. Same. Oh shit, congratulations. <laughs> You're a part of House Orca. You're an empathetic healer with a deep personal connection to nature and the animal kingdom. I do like my dog. Hell yeah. I, I guess that fits me. I... <laughs> I'm sure House... that they're all vaguely complimentary enough to fit anyone. Okay, wait, I'm looking at these now. House okay. Orca, House Shark, House Dolphin, House Cephalopod. I want to be in House Cephalopod. What the fuck? That's like an octopus. Incredibly good. God. Where is House Frog? Where is House Frog? I'm so angry. I'm writing Rick a sternly worded letter. <laughs> we, we, okay, well, that was a good 10 minutes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we have another question as well. We have another question. Oh, fuck. We, do, we just dropped this in the middle of the questions section. This is so fucking unprofessional. <laughs> It's fine. It's funny. <laughs> this is exactly how our first episode went. It's, we yeah, had a question the, segment. We did a quiz. The absolutely fucking chaotic structure is a callback, and definitely not just that when we haven't gotten better at running a podcast. God, you know what? Give us, give us some praise. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, dear unwise girls, a major part of the problem with the Percy Jackson film adaptations seem to be that they try to force the books into having the same story structure and character beats of other big blockbuster YA action movies, as was the style at the time. However, even great film adaptations need to have changes from source material, if for no other reason than the books are not a visual medium and some things that work well in the book don't translate well to the screen. My question for you is, given the threat of a Percy Jackson and the Olympians Disney Plus show that has been hanging over this podcast since the beginning, what changes would you like to see the show make to the series, either in its general structure or specific plot elements, in order to work well as a TV series? Congrats on finishing the first series, and good luck on the other, however many there are. And that's from Erica. Well, first of all, Erica, there are four more. Hell yeah. Uh... Second of all, this is a really easy question. Okay. Uh, introduce characters earlier. 
introduce Ethan, introduce Rachel earlier. It's 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 benefit of hindsight, but like I think that's one of the biggest flaws of the book. That was one of the biggest flaws of the book. That was one of the few things that maybe the Sea of Monsters movie was kind of doing right. Yeah. Well, th- no. Well, no. It 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 was not doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, it was introducing characters early and then not giving a fuck about them. <laughs> I think one one specific thing that I was thinking about while watching that movie was and this is going to sound mad because I'm talking about lifting things from a bad movie but uh-huh so you know like at the start of suicide squad right bad start let's go bad start they they have like a little information screen pop up for each of the villains as they're introduced right and i feel like that's maybe just lifting something like that and having like a really stylish like freeze frame little bit of text filling you in about like the mythological history of something that shows up would be really useful oh yeah because like when the 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 colchis bull shows up in the sea of monsters movie like they name drop it but because it's not a novel you can't just like take a quick paragraph aside for the main character to be like oh this is what this thing is this is who built it this is how it works it's a slightly inelegant way of dealing with it but I think that would be just, like, the simplest way to bring across, like, okay, this is the actual, like, cool mythological history of this thing. I wouldn't hate, like, segments that are, like, I don't know, little animated segments or segments that are, like, like differently, like, they have a different, like, quality to the film of them. Ooh. They're just, like, here's here's what's up with this god or this monster. I think that'd be cool. Like when, um, like when Ruby completely fucked up his world building and had to do that. But, like, it's good now. I, I, I can gladly say that I don't know enough about Ruby to confirm or not. <laughs> uh, thank you for the question. Thank you for the question. It was a really good one. Although I'm not sure uh, we addressed it properly. Wait, did we not? I don't know. It's, it was specifically about like changes from visual from prose to visual medium. I didn't catch that part. I wish I had. Um, <laughs> wait, what the fuck? Wait, now I feel really bad. I didn't even answer the question. Well, answer it now. Uh, you have five seconds. Go. Ah, um, <laughs> give uh, may, uh, give Percy HRT. <laughs> um, I don't know. S- sorry, Erica. I hope you like my answer anyway. I feel like that's a satisfactory answer for anybody who's been following along with the podcast up to this point. Well, <laughs> un- we, you know, campers, your your head counselor, your head counselors are a bit unwise. It's it's true. The fumes from the fire are really fucking with us. It, we're, our eyes are. I'm. I've basically had them closed this whole time. It really hurts. <laughs> it really stings. I. Somebody left just like a box of cookies in the sand next to it. There's like, I I think I see like like they didn't throw it in as an offering. They just left a box of cookies and there are giant ants coming towards it. <laughs> Fuck, Percy forgot to tell him to get rid of the ants. Ah. <laughs> Oh God! But Jane, I I think that does it for us. I think that that'll do it for a incredibly messy retrospective. Uh, you know, next week we're gonna come back and we're gonna start on the Kane Chronicles. Hell yeah! If I'm I'm gonna say this as someone who's read the Kane Chronicles, this uh-huh. is uh, this was like ten years ago at this point. But if you're like skeptical, if you're like, well, I liked Percy Jackson. I don't know anything about this shit. Stay with us for a little bit. I think this might have what you enjoyed Ooh, in okay. it still. Um, 
And but for now, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Jane, for coming on me with this journey. Hell yeah, it was uh, really fun. Yeah, I was really glad to have you as a as a temporary host for season one. <laughs> Fuck, I've been on a zero hours contract all this time. Yeah, I. You didn't realize you didn't you, you didn't read it, did you? <laughs> Is this why Kiara was in the Sea of Monsters episode? You were teeing her up as my replacement. Yeah, I was a backdoor pilot for Kiara <laughs> as the new host. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, uh, thank you, everyone. If you'd like to reach the show, you can do so at twitter.com slash unwisegirls. There, we've got links to our Discord server, our email, our... Basically, everything's there. Uh, if you want to help us out, if you want... There, we've gotten a lot of great support uh, in these past few days. Um, but if you want to maybe help us reach even more people, there are a few things you can do. Or even support us more directly. Um, you can... Leave a five-star rating interview. Uh, that like, everyone says says that, but you know, it's it's it helps with the algorithms. Yeah, it really does. Non-algorithmically, you can just like tell somebody you know about it. That's like if somebody you know likes podcasts, like per, likes Percy Jackson. Uh, I don't know. Just like recommend it to them. Oh, and speak and speaking of that, actually, um, I finally got around to what we should have done like ages ago. What's uh, that? And actually, put the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Oh yeah, we're so on iTunes one, now. That one friend of yours who um, insists on using an iPhone and therefore couldn't listen to us, uh, they've got no excuse now. Yeah, I mean, they had no excuse before, but you know. <laughs> um, and also, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash unwisegirls. For a dollar a month, you get a special role in the Discord server as camp counselor. Uh, for three dollars a month, you get a special role as a friend of Dionysus and all of our bonus content, where we talk about things like Homestuck, horror movies we watch, Doctor Who, uh, Jane's mini mishaps in the world of martial arts. <laughs> I had one mishap. I got kicked in the head one time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, various things. We we just talk. If you like us, then we talk more. You know. Um, and for $5 a month, you get the special role on our Discord server as Aphrodite's Chosen, all of our bonus content, as well as a shout-out at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And, as we always say, at the end of every single episode, see you see. next week, Camp Half- Wait, fuck. <laughs> we fucked it up I, at the end I did it wrong <laughs> ah, Jane you do it See you next week Camp Half Blood See you next week Camp Half Blood Bye bye, bye. Please leave that in That is the perfect ending Do 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 do